0: Hello and welcome to the Intentional Clinician Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Kraus, licensed professional counselor. In today's episode, I'm going to be speaking with Andrew Henry, LPC, a licensed psychotherapist in Arizona. He is a certified EMDR therapist and an EMDRIA-approved consultant. He has studied at the Milton H. Erickson Foundation and has certifications in hypnosis, advanced hypnosis, and brain spotting. Andrew Henry is quite a dynamic counselor, and he also teaches mindfulness courses from his work at the Zen Meditation Center. Andrew is taking new clients online, and we met today to talk about his book, The Gift, An Unconscious Intuitive Mind. We talk about his new book that is available on Apple Books, as well as Stoicism, uh, the philosophy of that, reality therapy, dialectics, and things you can do at home. Uh, to enhance your meditation, and things you can do in therapy to help you get out of therapy faster and feel more like yourself once again. I think you'll enjoy this conversation with Andrew, as this is the first of a series of conversations we will be doing together. Thanks so much for listening. This is Paul Krause of the Intentional Clinician Podcast, and if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast or share it with a friend. I would surely
1: appreciate it. All right, Andrew, welcome to the Intentional Clinician Podcast. So good to have you on here. Well, thank you for having me here. I greatly appreciate the opportunity to talk with you.
2: Yeah.
1: Absolutely. So we've known each other on and off uh, throughout the years of working in Arizona and uh, both being private practice therapists. And I know that you have a lot of eclectic, interesting uh Points of interest uh, in terms of your work, but also philosophies you're interested in. And I know that your book is now out, "The Gift: An Unconscious Intuitive Mind" by Andrew Henry is now on Apple Books. And where else is it located?
2: Uh, currently, that's all that it's. That's where it's located. That's it.
1: Okay, excellent. Well, I wanted to dive into a number of topics. Uh, for a lot of the philosophy listeners, uh, I really wanted to hear about Stoicism. And I knew we were going to talk a little bit about Carl Jung and the shadow and also dialectics and self-reflection. And I know you've got a lot of interesting things to say about intuition and diving into the unconscious mind and tapping into vital internal resources in figuring out what the next step should be in your life and incorporate that into your therapy. So uh, if it's okay with you, are we okay to start out with some stoicism? Because I'm not really too uh, knowledgeable about that subject.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Oftentimes when I think of stoicism and when I've researched stoicism, it's about Marcus Aurelius and, uh, you know, the Roman leader and all of his great quotes about, you know, thinking about what is present, uh, what you have control of and what you don't have control of and think about letting go of the things that you don't have any control over and then focus on what is now okay so it's interesting because stoicism originated back in ancient greece and what predates stoicism is the the philosophy of just letting go of all of your worldly possessions and yeah it's called you know cynicism and when people do that they would just go around laying on mats and not caring about anything and those people really didn't go too far and then You know, then moving forward was the stoicism. Those people wanted to progress and do something with their lives, and uh, and then accomplish things. So, yeah, another yeah. Keep going. Go ahead. Excellent. Okay, I was just going to say, you know, and and, and a more recent person who talks about stoicism uh, quite often is is Jordan Peterson. And Jordan Peterson is a prolific, um, you know, author and uh, speaker. And he goes around talking about personal responsibility and how that actually brings about purpose within life. And, um, you know, when when you dovetail those two together, stoicism and, and personal responsibility, it helps a person move forward and um but keeps them grounded
1: okay excellent i want to talk a little bit about the application but i'm just going to kind of reflect back a little bit about what i'm understanding about this so the stoicism is really focused on what can we do right now what is happening now what is reality right now and trying to take off the lens of past or the fantasy of future is that what i'm hearing
2: Yes, exactly. Um, there's a there's an ancient um, you know back in Greece there was this uh, this this talk about the ancient Greece uh, gods about Pandora's box, and as a matter of fact, um, as the as the myth portrays, um, Pandora opens the box and all of these things unleashed into the world: evil, hatred, jealousy. And when she slams the, the lid down, the only thing that's left is hope. Oddly enough, you know, um, people say, sometimes people say, well, hope sometimes can actually take you out of the present. So that's where Stoicism brings it right back to now. So if you're saying, well, I hope that this happens, or I hope that that happens, what about what you're capable of doing now? What are you doing here in, in this day? So, bring it back you know to the now.
1: It actually remember reminds me of a little bit of the what is called reality therapy. Have you heard of that one? I have. Yeah, I did actually see the founder, uh, Dr. William Glasser, I believe, is a uh, reality therapy's quote unquote father or whatever. Um, I saw him or one of his protégés. I can't really remember which one it was at a conference And I was very much intrigued because it was very strength-based approach and it really was You know people were coming in with these massive problems and his idea was kind of like Okay, what can you what despite what's going on? What can you do now? and you know What what can you do? What what in reality could you do today to start improving this over Mm -hmm. time? Which sounds sometimes daunting and depressing to people because it's like oh here I am rolling the ball up the hill You know, but glasser believed there's five basic needs of all human beings survival love and belonging power freedom or independence and fun or pleasure and basically reality therapy was The main reason a person is in pain and acting out is because he or she lacks one of the important other being to connect with so that it's about loneliness or lack some basic need for survival so he he believed more in like love and belonging and uh trying to find our needs met in after shelter with belonging in some sort of group or family or family or whatever you want to call it uh, which is kind of a bit more getting off the topic of stoicism, but bringing it back to personal responsibility, Irvin Yalom, existential psychotherapist said, when blame ends and responsibility emerges, then therapy can begin. And so, yeah, yeah go ahead.
2: Very nice. Very nice. You know, and I like that statement of what you're saying. You know, What if they're rolling this up? What if they're rolling their trouble up and it's hard for them to recognize the present moment because the present moment is full of, you know, either, you know, horrible things or, you know, stress. Well, you know, the present moment also looks at, well, look at the strength of your legs to be able to push that, you know, that boulder up the hill. Look at, you know, your physical strength to be able to do this. You know, as a therapist, I believe that people are engineered and intentionally created to struggle, not all of the time. But when the struggle is initiated and when that person digs down deep, that's where the answers come from. That's where the thriving comes from. But unfortunately, our whole world says, you know, let's take this or let's do this to help get a person over this or let's forget about the the struggle. Well, as a matter of fact, that's where, that's where the pearls of wisdom and that's where the good things happen when that person connects with that struggle in order to figure out the path forward.
1: Yes. I think there's another quote. I can't remember who said it, but they said, if you know why you can survive any how. So yeah, if, you, if you know the meaning, then you can survive almost any circumstance. And I don't remember who said that. Uh, somebody will have to email me on that. I know but I Peterson
2: do, Peterson repeated it, but I think he got it from someone else.
1: It's an ancient philosopher, I know that. But it, it, Young Young talked
2: about it, but yeah, he probably got it from someone else too.
1: And I think that the point of this is that I think in uh, there is a cultural point to make here is that people are we have been wired for survival. And our our nervous system and our brain underneath in our biology underneath our thoughts is always hoping to stay safe sheltered and survive and we'll do anything and so then that comes out in our emotions and our and our um, our thought processes and our behaviors and what stoicism is doing is sometimes we get emotionally or cognitively or Uh, you know, disturbed or upset by a circumstance. And when I think of Stoicism saying like, hey, come back to the moment, look at what you've got. I know that sometimes when really bad things happen to us or or circumstances seem terrible, we forget about the fact that um, we're not you know, for hopefully not homeless, right? Right. (laughs) We've got food. And I know it doesn't make up for it, right? It doesn't make up, you know, emotional pain and and subjective pain is painful, but a a coping skill to come out of it is to think about what are three or four things I can be thankful for in my life, you know, and, and- And the personal responsibility aspect is this, like, okay, well, there are these big societal problems, there are these big cultural problems, and maybe you're a person who's meant to take part in those struggles. Maybe you're meant to get involved politically or socially or join a group or run for office or um, try to help your local community with a food bank or whatever it is that you're trying to do to change the entire larger macro world, you can't do that unless you have done some work on the micro. And that is your taking responsibility uh, for the things in your life that even though you can't control them. And I think that's a, a pure point because in our society, there's always, there are, there are never going to be perfect systems and mechanisms. And even our best systems that have been geared to help people, including, let's say for instance, uh, free therapy that people get through some sort of agency. There are problems with that and there, oh, are, pro- there, there are, there are pro- you know, and there can be yep. problems with the free medications. There can be problems with um, the food banks. There can be problems mm-hmm. with all these things. And, and there, and, and I think we still need those things. Of course we may need more of yeah. them, but how do we help the person help them shift out of that mindset that even though the society is, cr- that there's people that are crooked, there's, there's things that aren't fair. How do we start helping ourselves? Because if we help ourselves, then we can move in and, and take personal responsibility. Then we can make a difference in the larger, maybe even just in the life of one other person, but also maybe, who knows, in the larger macro world that we're so upset about at the time. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Oh, yes, I agree 100%, Paul, because you know, what I've seen is when, person, when a person takes that personal responsibility, it's interesting. It's the opposite of what a person thinks about. It releases the judgment. It releases that inner critic. Because that person's then grounded in saying, okay, these are the things that I'm capable of today. And it creates this inner piece of freedom within them so that then they feel free to move forward and they feel capable to do something. And it doesn't have to be a hundred percent, you know, it's whatever, you know, whatever that internal limit is that day. You know, I like, um, for example, um, Dom, you know don Dom miguel ruiz jr or don Miguel ruiz you know the four agreements he says um you know there's this quote within there you know always do your best which is i believe the fourth agreement don't compare yourself to yesterday don't think of yourself you know tomorrow just you know think about yourself today um adding to that something that peterson who said jordan peterson he says do compare yourself to yesterday, which is a little different than Ruiz. But he says, not judgmentally, but what can you incrementally achieve just a little bit more today? And then if you follow that and you make a pattern out of that, your trajectory is better than just not knowing what to do next.
1: Right. And I think that speaks to not only practical wisdom, but neuroscience. So the neuroscience is saying that if you, whatever habits we're repeating day after day after day are becoming myelinated, which means the, the, uh, the brain cells and are, are becoming, and the synapses are becoming faster to connect. So that's why when you play an instrument, you want to play a certain amount of day. And then if you can go further, when it feels uncomfortable, you're breaking into that extra, um, resilience and learning ability and the same thing with exercise right we can exercise so much but it's hard to train the brain to go beyond our comfort zone right but when we go beyond our comfort zone we're really going to make some progress you're really going to see some results and that and neuroscience is the same way so in counseling the reason we want people to come weekly Um, or even twice weekly for a little while is to really get your brain going in a different direction, right? And then eventually the idea is that you're on your own, the training wheels are off. It's time to, for you to know that you can, um, you can take control of what's going on. Now you can't control the world and you can't even control your thoughts. But what, what we're trying to say is You can have more control because your triggers and your relapses and your difficulties become less and less of an issue over time if we're making a positive step forward. A lot of times therapy used to focus on the negative. You know, I'm an alcoholic. I've got a drug problem. I can't get a relationship. Blah, 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 blah. Let's find out whose parents we can blame. Let's find out what system we can blame. Let's find out what religion we can blame. Let's find out. But the issue is this. Let's just say those things are all true, okay? If if we're only focusing on the what the problems are and then the cons to each of those, we're ignoring brain science. We're dwelling in some sort of stew of right. negativity. So yes, absolutely, should we figure out why I did drugs? Yes, should we figure out what got me hooked? Absolutely, should we figure out why I can't have a relationship constructively? Yes, should we figure that stuff out? Absolutely. The other, but the majority of the therapy has got to be on building. You know, once we break down and deconstruct, and if there's trauma involved, that's a whole nother process. Cause I, I know people know I'm a trauma therapist. That's a whole nother process. Yes, there's a lot of work to do there before, but even during that, we need to get that one third or one fourth of the therapy going on. What am I? What am I two steps forward? Because yeah. recovery and resilience and change are always one step back. It's two steps forward, one step back. It's always that way because our brain's got to learn how to say, even in our darkest moment wait a minute okay i need 10 minutes um okay i can get through this uh, who am i going to call what am i going to do uh, you know we yeah. and to teach ourselves that we can um you know get to that point and 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 to be to have some level-headed emotional regulation even in our darkest hours um, yeah yeah It reminds me of uh, there's
2: that old um joke about if you take a, a cowboy, you know, like a, you know, Western record, you know, Western music record, and you play it backwards, you know, you, you get your dog back, you get your car back, you get your wife back, you know, because everything returns because you're going backwards, right? So, but the, re- the reality of it is, as you were saying before, right, sometimes we can't even control our own thoughts. It's seemingly as though we're wanting, we're intending to do one thing, and our behavior and our actions and our thoughts are incongruent with that. It doesn't line up with it. And that's part of the reason why I wrote my book because I'm a huge believer of the unconscious mind. Occasionally, can direct the behavior of a person, and um, just like a, you know a computer, if it were out of control, it could flash videos or, or you know um, you know material that's unwanted or un- unregulated by that person. And oftentimes, I too, as a trauma therapist recognize that these are adverse experiences that are within that person's background. And maybe they have been thought of, Oh, it's not that big of a deal. I'm no longer there. I've grown past this. Well, it's not so easy for your unconscious mind to be in line with that. Um, So it could be helpful for that person. It can behoove them to seek a therapist and to help them get through some of those stuck points or adverse experiences And then look into, you know, what does that then translate into their life now? Because just like a a crystalline structure, you know, if if our life, if if our body and our biome is like a crystalline structure and it has inclusions in it, if you shine a light through that, it refracts, it sends light off into different directions. Well, if we say that those inclusions are like traumas or adverse experiences that are unresolved. Well, if they become um, if they become resolved, then that light flows freely through there, and we experience a life in a different way.
1: Mm, I love that metaphor. So, kind of shining a light into the dark places is a lot of what we're doing in in the trauma therapy, and 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 how we're doing that is, is a whole nother podcast. So EMDR, brain spotting, all of that stuff you can find on other episodes of the Intentional Clinician. But essentially, we are exposing. The person in a therapeutic way to the darkness and helping them fully process it instead of being in a shock fight flight freeze collapse fawn mode and thus tolerating the experience which then allows them to be more fully present so a lot of people even uh there's different parts of emdr i've been do acute um processing on emdr and i, I recently did some acute processing on somebody who came in and they said that their subjective units of distress and anxiety was a 10. And after 45 minutes, we got it down to a two. And we had to use self-talk, and we used EMDR, and we used rapid quick processing um, protocols. And then they were able to see things differently. And actually, they they spit out something that just amazed me. Um, They said, looks like we've got some leaf blowers outside. Sorry, we'll see how (laughs) that comes out in the podcast. But, you know, it's 2020. People are used to surprises. Okay. Uh, But the person said something so so revolutionary to me i couldn't believe it that it, it was this whole this self-construct they had of themselves this schema and they just all of a sudden out of nowhere said oh my gosh this whole time i've been thinking that i was this loser and i realized that my family made me feel like a loser and i thought wait a minute i thought we talked about this like seven to ten sessions ago right but it wasn't it doesn't matter what i say it matters what the person thinks and they felt something different because of the emdr processing and they were able to say oh my gosh i'm ready to be present with this because i realize that my family abused me and and that's well documented in their life but they still felt like it was their fault right and so the emdr and the trauma therapy can shine that light through the crystalline structure and thus getting us back to reality which is present day um you know, I think Jung talks about this, and we can talk about this because I want to get into your book more. Uh, but Jung, I think Jung talks about not only is the future a fantasy, the past is a fantasy. Oh, you know? yeah. We want to yeah. dwell in the past and in this dreamy, you know, thing. And I, I blame VH1 slightly. I remember VH1 was like all about the 70s, all about the 80s, all about the sixties, those shows. And I would like as a kid be like, man i really wish i lived in the 70s they they, they didn't have as many problems they, were, they had like cool clothes and these phones and you yeah, didn't have you to know, like, have a text message and i would like have this fantasy about it which is totally bs so, like other people who like lived through the 70s are like no you wouldn't have liked it at all you know <laughs> anyway
2: but you know one of the things is okay now i i have a huge regard for carl young and when you know when a statement comes out like that as someone who knows a lot about the unconscious mind well guess what the unconscious mind does not know time it does not know time or space so yeah, you could say well the the past is a fantasy or the past is not a, you know it's not the now, and that's true it's not the now, but your unconscious mind may not agree with that, and that's why people have dysregulation and have disturbances because it's pulling that up as though it's today that's why those feelings are like today, even though it was ten years ago or twenty years ago, and yes, EMDR is very powerful, brain spotting is very powerful. The, the information that I have in the book could be conceptualized, say, like in um, phase two of EMDR, which is skill building. You know, so a person you know, bringing themselves into a comfortable, safe place, they're recognizing their strengths, they're focusing on the present moment. And even the present moment, some of the newer protocols in EMDR say start with the present because your unconscious mind will take you to wherever it needs to go. As you know, as an EMDR therapist, right? So you can start with the present, and your unconscious mind will just go to where it needs to go. So
1: I love that. So I want to get more into your book, but let, let me clarify real quick um, what you're saying, and because we, we we jumped into two different subjects, because you're bringing it back to the clinical, which and the unconscious where they connect. Because you're right. When people are disturbed, when you are quote unquote triggered, when you don't feel like yourself, usually what happens is either some sort of framework or perspective has clouded your vision of what's really happening. Or what we're talking about with EMDR and past traumas or adverse child experiences or whatever are is a giant what I my wife, Dr. Nicole Kane, came up with she calls them time capsules. All of a sudden you're back or ego states, you're back in that there you're thinking like you did when you were 16 and you don't know that. You you don't realize and all of a sudden you're yelling at your partner or you're telling your boss to go to hell like you're in this punk rock phase. And that doesn't really work when you're in your 30s and 40s or whatever it doesn't really work anytime but you know it feels good and so clinically you're right the psyche does not know time and our brains uh time is a is a construct you know and you can see that with the way that native americans uh felt about time and and, and uh you know indigenous people around the world they their their time concept was completely intuitive it wasn't um linear uh, and as you know, and I don't know if people know this, and you can look this up, but every few years, um, my great uncle who passed away, he was like a mathematician, and he told me about this, that every few years, they have to add seconds to the nuclear clock that, yeah. that the Greenwich Mean Time goes off of, because the Earth, it, and we have, the, we have this time, it says it's 12.47 p.m., whatever, it doesn't, it's not. Okay, we we have this calculation and they have to do that or else Eventually and I don't remember how many years it would take our calendar would be completely off january would be in august august would be in Because the earth is wobbly and it doesn't orbit the sun perfectly every time And so they the mathematicians have to add these seconds to the nuclear clock which greenwich mean time And then that falls into eastern standard pacific mountain time and all the time zones of the world so we don't sure. live in this linear universe, and our, our right. mind knows it, but it seems scary. So yeah. there uh, are and that-
2: cultures where a person's birthday does not appear the same day of the same month every year. It moves with the the change of season or the lunar calendar, and yeah, and it recognizes a whole totally different space of time. And and these are ancient cultures. These are people you know who who are you know like Sanskrit you know based, and so interesting stuff.
1: So just, I know this is part one of probably a few conversations we're about to have, but I want to, I want to just, you know, just to preview your book a little bit, I want to know a little bit more about how can people apply, you know, some of the intuitive things you're talking about in the book. Some of the things you talked about were um, the dialectics and self-reflection. How can people apply that and, and tell us a little bit more about that? Sure,
2: sure. So the dialectics and self-reflection is actually straight from Carl Jung's work. He was a huge practitioner of combining dialectics from alchemy with psychology. He was a pioneer in that area, and a lot of the skills that I use within that book are um, they they are useful mindfulness skills, and they're they're brought in from. You know that um, that idea of when you center and you think about, such as you know, if you're feeling anxiety, what color does that represent, or what earth element does that represent, and then what's the dialectic? So what's the opposite of that? So dialectic just means opposite. So north is to south, east is to west. Those are dialectics. So if you feel fire about that um, anxiety. The dialectic could be it could be water or driving wind or a fire extinguisher or something, right? Even though it's not necessarily uh, you know, nature derived, but it, you know, use creativity maybe. And then, um, and then, what you do is you apply that within your meditation, and and then do that liberally, and then move with that. See if that
1: helps bring down the disturbance. So. So these are a- actionable things that people can do if they read your book. And I've been reading your book, and I've been really enjoying it. Um, it's a very reasonable price, I believe. Uh, and so actionable. So let's talk a little bit about alchemy and what what that all means. So one of the things Carl Jung was really uh, a big proponent of is, he, you know, language, he said, was only so many years old. I don't remember how many years. But, you know, humans didn't evolve to have language for a long time. And so people communicated in hand signals and grunts and symbols and we've always we've seen cave paintings going back thousands and thousands and thousands of years so um humans we a lot of people think in pictures i know i have pictures when, when my clients tell me things i'm literally seeing a movie in my mind uh not literally but figuratively seeing a movie in my sure, mind sure. and uh essentially um, we have these connections to colors. I um, mean, there's color studies, you know, you can look up these color studies, what most people represent when they, when they see the color blue, they feel this, they think this, I mean, and I'll tell you what, um, if you don't think you're susceptible to this marketers, uh, uh, all around the world study this stuff, they study this part of psychology to get you to be into certain brands into certain political parties into certain television shows into buying certain items because of color recognition and the way fonts look right symbols the nike Mm -hmm. symbol is this famous symbol around the world and and more and more corporations are going to the point where they're dropping the name and they're just having the symbol because the symbol is much more powerful and and it burns into your memory um religious symbols right you know we have the om symbol in sanskrit we have the we have the cross of christ you know we have these uh this you know different different symbols from different religions uh, you know the hindu gods they all have different paintings and different like uh ornate uh intricate little statues that mean something right, right. so so we have this in our dna this is Everyone is influenced by symbols and colors and what you're doing is you're taking this work on alchemy now alchemy is a whole other topic that would take us forever but um, There's books on alchemy and psychology by Jung. There's James Hillman did a lot a a speaking series on it that you can check out uh, About what the alchemists were doing Uh, but there's all of these information and associations with different colors and elements And you're bringing that up to let people explore their thoughts metaphorically is what I'm hearing. Because when you explore in metaphor, it sticks. It sticks a lot more than just talking yourself into, you know, I am strong. I can do it. Versus if you have a representation of what strong means to you. And if you have a representation of what weakness means to you and sadness. So I'm hearing you, one of your things is the dialectics and looking up the color or the animal or or different memories or, or pictures that may uh, mean something to you. So this is something people can do at home?
2: Yes, absolutely. They definitely can do that at home. I, you know, we were, you were talking about language, you know, and I think of, you know, the human brain, the human mind, you know, the, the amygdala was so supercharged way back when we didn't have language and we were just surviving in huts, and in caves and things like that. And what's happened is we've developed a a huge fear and an anxiety sense that is ingrained within our DNA practically. So, and those are the people who survived because the people who were like picking up daisies and didn't care about, you know, bears and dinosaurs, they were taken out, right? They're wiped out. So it's the people who survived are the anxious ones and that's what we've inherited. Well, it's not all for naught and it's not such a bad thing because that's aided us in, in, in surviving and living. Now we just need to use what's called a prefrontal cortex and use skills such as this in order to help us connect with relief and determine where our path is now.
1: Yes. And for some people, uh, obviously, they will get a lot out of the book and be able to grow from it as people do they read books they go uh, watch courses they they look at youtube videos but for other people they they are going to need to see a therapist um over video or in person because that guide experience sometimes we need an experience to get out of our own circular thinking so do you still provide therapy for people right now during this pandemic and everything going on
2: I do. As a matter of fact, um, I do that via video, uh, video therapy, and I provide a variety of uh, therapeutic interventions and types of counseling. I do provide EMDR. Uh, I also use Jungian methods and concepts. um, And I get into, I teach meditation um, and I also use hypnosis. I'm trained by the Erickson Institute in Phoenix, Arizona. I've also created my own form of hypnosis known as uh, soul level hypnosis, where I guide a person deeply within to the center of their being, where I believe there are keys and important things that they can utilize within what they're faced with now.
1: That's wonderful. Wonderful. I'm glad that you have all these resources. And I know that uh, hypnosis is amazing. I think hypnosis uh, is a whole nother episode. It has a bad rap because people have only seen it used in sideshows. But deep hypnosis is very effective. I've been to many trainings on it. And in fact, a lot of what therapy might be doing is accidentally getting you a bit into a hypnotic state by accident before. So if you're actually trying to hit Uh, use hypnosis. It gets people into a state where they're able to get into their deeper thinking versus their momentary fears. And when you can do that, you can really find some truth that's within you. It's not tricking you into doing something or changing the way you think. It's only using your thoughts. And I've experienced it. And in fact, even in training, I your brain is so powerful. The hard part is, is if you don't work on your brain like any other muscle in the body, it will atrophy. And when it atrophies, the brain really has problems. And and the brain is anxious and more anxious and more depressed. And, and, and that's one way of looking at it is that it's kind of gone off the control because at some point... Um, Uh, We weren't maintaining it, but at the same time, time out, there's also biological and circumstantial reasons why people's minds can totally hijack them into depression, stress, anxiety, PTSD, state, and then you definitely uh, want therapy. But in the preventative way, What we're talking about in the self-growth arena, it sounds like not only your book, but you yourself have a lot to offer. So I think that's great right now, especially, um, you know, you're in Arizona, but anyone in Arizona, I believe can contact you. And in terms of meditation coaching, is that open to people outside of Arizona? The meditation
2: is because uh, I don't have to use my license to be able to do that. I could teach meditation anywhere because, you know, it's it's not just under the purview of, say, uh, a, a governing board or anything like that.
1: Wonderful. Yeah. Okay. So that's great because meditation, I think, has really helped me a lot. And there's so many clinical studies that show that if you use meditation repetitively, it actually increases the gray matter in your brain, which is how you can deal with stress. And that stress is something we can all agree on that we don't like. We want to want to reduce stress if possible.
2: That's right. Yes, absolutely.
1: So I know we're a little short on time and this is uh, part one of our series that we're about I've to do. i enjoyed it. I've enjoyed our talk, Paul. Yeah. Absolutely, Andrew. So I will, uh, I will be in touch. I want to put every, everything in the show notes about how people can contact you and get your book. And I, I love that you were able to just tell us about stoicism and so many really cool things, including your book and the intuitive mind. So uh, I appreciate your time and we'll be uh, back in touch soon.
2: Excellent. Thanks again, Paul. Take care and blessings to you and your wife and your practice. Thank you, Andrew.
1: Blessings to you and your wife as well. Thank
0: you. And there you have it. This has been another episode of the Intentional Clinician Podcast with Paul Kraus. Again, I was interviewing Andrew Henry, and you can check out his new book, The Gift, an unconscious intuitive mind on apple books right now on your phone it's very reasonably priced and it's a great uh, book that can teach you lots of little exercises you can do at home if you're enjoying this podcast please share it with a friend or give us a rating on itunes until next time on the intentional clinician podcast i'm wishing you all a safe and peaceful week if you are looking for an Emdrea consultant, I am now an Emdrea consultant in training and can provide 15 of the 20 hours needed to become an Emdrea certified therapist. I'm going to be starting my Emdrea consulting groups both in person online. It looks like January 2021 20, and it should be on Wednesdays. For details, check out CounselingSupervisorGR.com or HealthForLifeGR.com or just email me. The recording you just listened to consists of the personal opinions of Paul Krauss. And while these are based upon the literature he has read and his guest's uh, experience and his experience in the field, neither his opinion or his guest's opinion should be viewed as the definitive facts on this or any other subjects. Listening to this podcast is not a substitute for treatment. If you are in a crisis, please dial 911 now or the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. Are you a young person of color, feeling down, stressed, or overwhelmed? Text Steve, that's S-T-E-V-E, to 741741. That's Steve to 741741, and a live, trained crisis counselor will respond. If you are in need of counseling, do not hesitate to make an appointment with a local counselor in your area. You can also make an appointment with the excellent clinicians in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area at Health for Life Grand Rapids and the Trauma-Informed Counseling Center of Grand Rapids by visiting healthforlifegr.com. That's healthforlifegr.com. The website just got a facelift, so if you haven't been there in a while, check it out. You can support your local bookstore by shopping at www.bookshop.org. That's www.bookshop.org. You can order online from the comfort of your own home while supporting local businesses near you. A lot of bookstores are also used as community gathering centers, and I know that it's really hard right now with the pandemic to gather, but soon when this is over, we will need those shops and our independent music venues, so please get involved in protecting those pieces of our culture. The Michigan Mental Health Counselors Association is working to increase the availability of quality mental health services statewide, increasing education, promoting best practices, and working to keep licensed professional counselors and other mental health professionals accessible by the public. To find out why this is important, if you're interested, check out episode 32 and 33 of this podcast. If you are not in Michigan, get involved with your local mental health association as long as they have a great vision and mission to help all people. This has been Paul Krauss of the Intentional Clinician Podcast. Whoever you are and wherever you are, there is hope for your life. So please take care and seek help and seek education. You can get through whatever you're going through.
3: Leaving came to us just like a song A dull of long The sense that you are Still a stranger But we were born To fade away like light. Looking sideways Into life There is no reason We should stay here And I know you are Listening to the song Still run with your love Now see that moon above the edge of speech As we flicker like a screen and we are gone sweatshops and dresses. Inside everything I heard a voice mechanical beyond itself, like the sentence of a dreamer.